Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Today, uh, we set aside this Sunday for World Mission Sunday. Uh, Just to kind of put it out there, bird's eye view, we have a mission. We want people to know about Jesus. We live on an earth, a globe, a world. The whole thing belongs to Jesus. A lot of people don't know that yet, and they, we want to introduce them to Jesus. We want them to get, get their, their heart nailed down with Jesus. And so, uh, if you don't mind, raise your hand. You have to be honest here. Raise your hand if deep down inside you really don't like change. <laughs> two, two hands from in the back. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, a number of hands, right? Yeah. Well, we can nuance this out. Probably, it depends on what's being changed, right? For most of us, if something can be improved, fixed, okay? Yeah, yeah, we can get on board, okay? But yeah, there's, there's a lot of people, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I once heard, statistically speaking, most humans, the majority of humans, struggle with change. It's just a natural part of our, our wiring. And, uh, you know, just one small example, it wasn't that long ago where most likely in our kitchen, we had this really beat up telephone and address book that we kept nearby. And now we keep all that information on our cell phone, right? The, the world just has changed. It's moved on. Does anybody still have a telephone and address book? Okay, a couple. All right, well, maybe that was a bad example, but... Um, we, we had a directory. Yeah, we <laughs> Um, you guys get it. Times are a change. Then. But of course, you know, some change that we go through causes a good amount of angst and, and dread. But in terms of something that we can celebrate, the gospel continues to change people's lives. Christianity is a growing religion. Christianity is a growing faith around the world. It is really growing in Africa and Asia. For example, according to the Center of the Study of, the global, of global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, 22 years ago, 23 years ago, in the year 2000, there were 660 million Christians collectively in Africa and Asia. Okay, fast forward to 2022, the number of Christians in Africa and Asia, it almost doubled. It's a little over 1.1 billion Christians now in Africa and Asia. Okay, in 22 years, they've nearly, nearly doubled. Okay, Christianity is growing. The message of Jesus is still on the move around the world. The good news of Jesus is changing people's hearts. The life-transforming Power is changing lives around. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You can check out Romans chapter 1. And so in the midst of a world that is always changing, phone books being turned into, you know, cell phone directories. (laughs) In the midst of of all this change in the world, we're going to take a look at three unchanged realities that provide rationale to why we are to be active participants 
and sharing God's good news. And I'm borrowing these, tweaking them a little bit um, from a missions document that came out about 10 years ago called the Cape Town Commitment. You can look that up. But essentially, it's, it's these three points, three unchanged realities. And really, today is about fundamentals. Okay, what hasn't changed? Guess what? Humanity's communion with God is disrupted. Okay, and it needs fixed. The gospel is good news. The church's mission continues. It's ongoing. So we're going to take a look at these three points today. And again, it's about fundamentals. And so the first unchanged reality that provides a foundational block to stand on, why we want to engage in missions, this concept of missions, whether it's global or local, or just doing an act of kindness for your neighbor, humanity's communion with God is disrupted. Or a more traditional way that we might frame it is humanity is lost. It's an underlying predicament here. Without God, we're, we're lost. God is the source of life. To know God is to be in relationship or to be in union with him. To be in union with God is to be connected to God's life. No union, no life, no life, you're dead. Okay? The Genesis creation account reveals God as creator. He created and ordered his creation to receive his presence. Some view the garden as like a cosmic temple. God intended on dwelling with his people, those who bear his image, to be present with his people, to be in relationship with his people. You know, ashes to ashes, dust, dust to dust, humans, we're, we're made of earth, but we have this divine breath in us. Made in the image of God, and in this framework of presence and relationship, we are to reflect this task to rule on God's behalf or co-rule. Like it's a partnership here to to work the garden, to to serve and and to protect. And the way that I understand it, at least right now, where I'm at in life and my theology and stuff like this, I think the idea was to expand the boundaries of the garden. Like as creative cultivators, we we expand the garden. Like that is like subdue the earth. Expand the garden. But how did things go? The the dragon, right? The the snake, the serpent, the crafty devil twists the words of God and we end up choosing to rebel against God's order, his love, his rule. We chose to do our own thing. And so when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of wisdom, they were rejecting God's order. I'm going to throw in a heavyweight here. His name's John Walton, Old Testament scholar. He says the garden was a place of God's order. And since they had desired to find order on their own, they were driven from God's presence where his order reigned to seek out their own order. In this way, God granted them what they desired. God gave them what they wanted, but it was to their detriment and, in the process, relationship was broken. In other words, sin, what we call it, sin disrupted the communion that we had with God. The presence, it's disrupted. The relationship, it's disrupted. Okay, And this disruption is bad news, because without God, we're going to die. Okay, well, 
we can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. Sin is going to spread throughout humanity like a virus, an infection. Our fallen condition is going to just keep going, and we don't have any option to save ourselves. I won't go into the whole story, but I once fell out of a big tree swing, probably dropped 15, 20 feet. I don't know. I was pretty high up. And when you're falling, you cannot unfall yourself, okay? You cannot unfall yourself, okay? We cannot save ourselves. So we can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. Okay, and this is a big rationale. This is a big reason why we have our mission is and our, our sentence here. Okay, we're, we're the without Christ, we are the living dead. And this is how Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter two. He's he's talking to believers. He's already talking to the church. Okay, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead. Physically alive and spiritually dead. You were dead and you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Okay, what's Paul talking about? There is something foreign and invasive to God's order. A dark power that holds people down, holds people down in their grave, their, their spiritual deadness and it almost seems like it, this evil darkness is even energizing people into their disobedience. Evil seems to triumph. And as people of the gospel, you know, this, this makes our heart sick. We take the plank out of our own eye and, and then it's like, yeah, we, we condemn evil and, and sin. Okay, it's, there's disobedience. There's complete other way, other wayness from God. You know, like it's, it's bad, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of bad, a lot of wrong in this world. All right. Verse three. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. This is an unchanged reality without Christ, without God's intervention. We don't have communion. We don't have life. With God. By nature, by just how things will go, we deserve wrath. We don't have time to listen into everyone's testimony right here, but I bet you have part of your testimony is like, well, yeah, there's there was that time I was the king of the castle, I was the queen of the castle, I was trying to do my own thing, and it got me in a really bad spot. You know? By just how things go, we yeah, we deserve wrath, death. Wages of sin is death, right? But as one author points out, his name is Josh White, he reminds us, the heartbeat of the gospel is not wrath, but it's love. The heartbeat of missions is not to use fear and, and make people afraid of God's wrath. It's not for God so had, for God so had so much wrath for people that he sent Jesus. No, it's for God so loved the world. He sent his son, which brings us to our second point. An unchanged reality is that the gospel, the Christmas story, God coming into our, our story, 
Good Friday, Easter, the good news of Jesus, the good news of salvation. The gospel is still good news. The gospel is good news. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Okay. And this word here in English, but, it's a beautiful word here. Okay. We were that way. We were dead. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us who believe alive with Christ. God reached into our dead heart and started making it pump alive spiritually for the first time in Christ. We're, we're alive. We're dead in transgressions. And it is by grace you are saved. The disruption from point one actually can be changed, it can be healed, the disruption can be healed, the spiritually dead can be made alive. In Christ, God took on the worst of what humanity had to offer. Okay, Humanity wanted to go its own way, we, we, we did. And you know what? One of the worst things we ever came up with was this thing called the cross. This instrument of torture and cruelty and hate and, and shame. Jesus, in love, embraces that cross, he commandeers it, transforms it into an instrument of love, and it is through the work of the cross, by grace, we are saved. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, right? You cannot unfall yourself, you cannot save yourself, it's not from Ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay? It is the work of Christ. Jesus has done this for ourselves. People can't save themselves. Dead things can't make themselves alive. This is the gospel, the good news. We can be saved, we can be healed, we can be reconnected. The gospel according to John says that Anybody who sees Jesus sees the Father. If you want to know God, get to know Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. And that is in the present tense. Eternal life starts now in Jesus. Back to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Paul goes on to explain that by giving his life on the cross, this is really good news here. Jesus brought Jews and Gentiles together. Insiders and outsiders are brought together. Jesus put hostility to death. Jesus made peace. Okay? We don't want to miss this. By bringing people together, Jesus created a new humanity around himself, where now every human, every believer in Jesus has access to God by the same spirit. By the one spirit. Okay? More rationale for why missions matter. Okay? The nations can be reconciled back to God. We can be reconciled with each other. Okay? We need Jesus. Americans need Jesus. Israelis need Jesus. Hamas needs Jesus. Palestinians need Jesus. Ukrainians, Russians, so on. The nations need Jesus. Okay? The gospel is a big gospel, and it's for the whole world. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. We need the work of Jesus' reconciliation. 
And we need to hear this gospel clearly. We want to hear it in our own heart language. A couple Sundays ago, we talked about missionary technology and, and reaching ethno-linguistic people groups. We want people to hear the gospel in their own heart language. They need to hear it clearly, without baggage. We want the world to know. Paul continues to talk about this sweet gospel. Verse 19, consequently, okay, because of all of this, whether you're Jew or Gentile or whoever you are, dear loved one in Christ, you are no longer a foreigner. You're no longer a stranger, but a fellow citizen with God's people. You are a member of the household. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, this whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple. That's us. That's part, you know, we're, we're part of this, the body here. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling. Hmm, there's that word again. We're, we're, we become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Did you know Jesus is in the room right now? God is dwelling amongst us. We are part of this. We are this spiritual house. It's awesome. All the things that used to separate us. Age, appearance, politics, nationality, language, race, tax brackets, theological persuasions. You know, sometimes we land a little bit on this side or that side on, of something. You know, we, we have different opinions. We're, we're all trying to hash different stuff out, but that's okay. We have the freedom to do that. The good news is in Christ, Jesus brings, Jesus Christ brings unity and he's dwelling amongst his people by his spirit. To circle back again, God wants to dwell with his people. God wants to dwell with you. He is dwelling with you. He wants to dwell with his people. And so rationale for missions, the gospel is good news. God intends on healing this destruction caused by sin, the alienation, he wants to end it. God intends on dwelling with his people. Christ is our center. Christ is the main thing. That's why we're here. It is by grace. That, that's why we're here. And so the gospel is this big invitation. And in Matthew 28, Jesus Christ, he gives his authority away to his people. His people the members of the household, a.k.a. the church, we are authorized to pass on this big invitation of grace. You are authorized to tell the story about Jesus. Invite people into faith. You know? Tell, tell somebody what Jesus is up to in your life. I really like the story in the one of the Gospels, um, there was a guy who was healed, he was blind, but then he, he could see. And the Pharisees were like grilling him. They're like, tell us what you know. The theology, they were like, they were digging for theology. And the guy, he's like, bro, like, I don't know anything. All I know is I was, uh, I was blind, but now I see. His name's Jesus, okay? And I think sometimes we make, we make sharing the, what Jesus is doing in our lives way too complicated because we feel... Like, we need all this theology to back up everything. And absolutely, 
yeah, we want to be ready to give a response and all of that. But sometimes, though, like, just let people know what Jesus is up to in your life. And I know it can be hard. But that's, we're authorized to do that. It's in Matthew 28. Okay, this is the third unchanging reality. The church's mission continues. Okay, there's so much we could say about the church's identity, the church's purpose, our, our, uh, our calling and all of that. There's so much to explore here, but for now on this Sunday, this is what we want to sit on. God will restore order. He is bringing everything in heaven and earth into unity under Jesus Christ. Reconciliation happens through the blood given on the cross. The alienation that caused sin is going to be healed in the full. Every tribe, nation, people group. (coughs) Jesus is bringing a redeemed humanity together through Jesus. Someday God will destroy the reign of death altogether. All violence and corruption will disappear. The justice of Jesus will win. The peace of Jesus will rule. And Emmanuel, the God who is with us, the God who keeps telling us that he is with us, he will dwell with us forever and ever. Heaven and earth will be reunited in Jesus' forever kingdom. So in humility, with the authority of Jesus, we continue to march on. Okay, The church's mission continues. In the midst of war and turmoil, and plagues, and famines, and droughts, and so on, with hope and with joy, we look forward to the day when Jesus brings restoration. Okay? And on the pathway to that final restoration is Judgment Day, Accountability Day for everyone. Certainly, we do not want anybody to be standing alone on that day. If you are in Christ, Jesus is with you. So we move on, we march on, we worship and glorify God. We continue to tell the story about Jesus. He defeated death and he is alive today. We continue to teach and equip and correct and rebuke and train. We encourage people to follow the ways of Jesus. We try to model life as God intended it to be. We go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitudes. We keep sinking into that stuff. We keep meditating and marinating in that stuff. We participate in the transformative mission. We show people the good news. We engage in suffering and injustice and and disorder through self-sacrificial love and surrender. We just continue to, we want to meet needs and love neighbor as best as we can. I was talking with one of you all yesterday. It's like, yeah, there's a lot going on in the world. But man, like, I just, like, what I can focus on is just loving my neighbor well. You know? And, and maybe, like, it, it, it's not to neglect or dismiss what's going on in the world, but it's like, you know what? Like, let me, let me be the light right here. Let me engage. Let me love. Let me serve right here. Okay? Church, who needs food and shelter? Right now in our area, visiting, visiting the sick and incarcerated. How can we educate and correct, encourage one another? 
speak words of healing to people, listen creatively? How can we help bear burdens, counsel one another, wash dirty feet, pray with and for people? Okay? We want people to find love, forgiveness, purpose, true community. The righteousness that we had in the garden can be restored, and that happens through Jesus. And that, this was our mission. The church's mission continues. It's an unchanging reality. Okay, Part of our rationale for missional engagement is that you can be a new human right now. Jesus can change your life. So I want to put the ball in your court. What do you think? Is the lostness of people a big deal? Is the gospel really not that great after all? Is our mission outdated or even obsolete? Of course, there's a lot more we could talk about missions. On World Mission Sunday, we didn't hear one missionary story. What's up with that, Cam? Well, okay. It's okay, because we are all missionaries in this room. And I'll put the ball in your court even more. What's your personal mission story right now? Okay. Some of you give financially. You have the gift of generosity. and God uses that beautifully. You give food to pantries, and God uses your generosity and your givings beautifully. Maybe you're equipped to help mobilize and administrate. You can help coordinate. You know, you, you don't cut the grass or rake the leaves, but you can sure put the right person on that yard. Maybe you've committed to pray for missionaries and mission fields. Maybe you're a small group leader and like that is your little bubble of who you love on and like, that is, that's your work. Maybe you're an AA sponsor, a volunteer somewhere at the hospital or somewhere, I don't know. Maybe God has given you the gift, like this is your specialty. You're just really good at looking for opportunities when you go on walks, when you go to work, school, the marketplace. You're just good at seeing opportunities and really, just some kind of last-minute wisdom. In terms of being like missional and looking for opportunities and stuff like that, I know we're all busy, but really the wisdom is not trying to add more to your life. It's just laying out your life and like on a table, and it's like, okay, instead of adding mission to your, to your life, how about just be more intentional with what you already have going on? And I know some of you do that. You swing by a gas station and you make sure you go in and you love on that person, you know? You're going to get gas. Either way, you might as well just be a little intentional about it. That's awesome. It's a great testimony. Whatever you do, whether it's something you say or something you, you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And give thanks to God the Father. Okay?
You are all missionaries here. And on World Mission Sunday, whether you're thinking global or local, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you do, do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I just thought maybe today we could make a commitment together. Let me just read it out here. If we could just kind of come together. We are committed to the gospel. We are committed to nurturing a global vision. We are committed to praying for the people of the world and the global church. We are committed to cultivating relationships with missionaries and mission, mission fields, resulting in spiritual, emotion, emotional, physical, and material support. We are committed to being ministers to the poor, powerless, and persecuted. If you wish to respond to this in affirmation, can you give me a big, loud yes? Yes. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray.